Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Monday, May 2nd. We begin with the story of a Ukrainian man who fled the war-torn country with his family and now makes Calgary home. We speak with Alexandra Rivenuk and hear the gripping details of his journey. Could there be a connection between infertility and heart failure? We explore the findings of a new study on that topic with our on-call family physician, Dr. Ted Jablonski. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. We look at the challenges of living with a mental health issue while acting as a caregiver. We speak with former national sports broadcaster Michael Landsberg and hear his personal story of living with depression and the impact it has on his life day to day. And finally, it is motivation. Motivational Monday, our weekly segment aimed at helping you achieve your goals and live your best life. This week, we speak with author, speaker, and business coach, Chris Westfall. Chris shares with us his simple philosophy to help make your work and home life easier. I heard about his story from my Facebook friend, Saima Jamal, who's the co-founder at Calgary Immigrant Support Society. And she was talking about a very human story coming out of the war in Ukraine. It involves a gentleman named Oleksandr Rybanyuk, who recently moved to Calgary from Ukraine. And Alex joins us now. Good morning to you, Alex. Thanks for being with us. Good morning. Thank you for welcome. Well, appreciate you joining us. Can you tell us a little bit of the background of your story, Alex? How did you come to Calgary and why? Uh, uh, when we when we was in Ukraine, we um, uh, search uh, information about what country we must go, and uh, uh, we choose the Calgary, choose the Canada to go uh, far away from this war and. Uh, uh, why the Calgary? It's because um, we want to find some a city for a family. Um, not not big city, but uh, like Toronto or Montreal, but uh, the big city, but uh, with uh, houses and the kid gardens and the schools. To, and uh, the Calgary, I think it's perfect. And when we come here, uh, I think it's better than we think it before. <laughs> so. And uh, people amazing and uh, uh, all welcome us and we're feeling very good here. Alex, where were you uh, living in Ukraine and and what was it like before you left with with the war going on? Uh, Yeah, we living before before Russian uh, forces uh, uh, attacked uh, Ukraine uh, in uh, on on uh, 24 uh, February, uh, the territory when we lived it's uh, named Belovotsk. Uh, this is uh, north of uh, Lugansk region, and um, it was uh, Ukrainian territory, uh, not occupied. Uh, uh, it it is a Ukrainian territory now, but it's occupied uh, Russian forces. So, but uh, when we lived there, when we uh, lived there, it uh, there it wasn't uh, it wasn't uh, occupied. So. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, uh, we live uh, nearby, uh, near a board, near Russian board. Uh, I think it's from my house. It's uh, 40 uh, minutes to Russian board. So, uh, and we know, we saw that uh, they prepared to attack. They collect all troops and uh, tanks and uh, airplanes. But we didn't believe that they they will attack. We we think that maybe they try to scare Ukraine or something, uh, but not not attack, not, uh, but maybe attack, but not with bombs or something. But uh, but they but they did it. 
I'm sure a lot of Ukrainians in 2022 never thought something like this would happen. Alex, you had to leave um, members. I mean, you came with your wife and your kids, but your wife's family, your wife's parents, they're still in Ukraine, aren't they? Yes, yes. And what is it like uh, for them now? They 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 uh, lived uh, now now the Belovsk where where they lived. Uh, it is uh, they uh, Russian troops are already occupied it, so uh, they uh, told all people to change their pension for Russian pension, and uh, uh, they can't use the uh, Ukrainian national money. Money, Grivna, they must to use uh, Russian ruble, and uh, they destroyed the connection towers. So you can, uh, if you living there you must uh, uh, you can't use uh, your own phone number ukrainian phone number you must use russian uh, sim cards and they try to control all, everything they they try uh, they uh, take uh, demands and uh, uh, you have a choice you must go uh, to war uh, with the russian troops against ukrainian or they take in a prison or something you can you know you, you have no choice mm. uh, so it's uh, horrible thanks to god so that we go away before before that they occupied it you know you still have friends and family in ukraine obviously i'm wondering if you've had recent contact with them can you tell us what you're hearing as far as how many casualties how many ukrainians have been killed in this attack so far what what are you hearing oh, i know that too, too many but uh, too many my friends i have i even haven't uh, connection with them because uh, so many people in the underground uh, and they trying to escape from some bombs or the attacks uh, and uh, uh, some village haven't connection at all because uh, destroy towers. I can say about uh, the count uh, the number of deaths and uh, but it's but it's too much. They take your properties. They can take uh, the cars. They can take all and uh, if you if they need the cars to war and uh, to go they, they can take it if you can if you will not give them they can use the force alex i mean you were you were forced to move you were you were forced to come to calgary and i'm sure you're grateful that you know it was very welcoming here of course but no doubt would have liked to have stayed in your home country does it does it feel like you and and your people and and really an entire nation has has lost their identity or can the russians just never take that away from you even though they may have taken you know some of the cities and ultimately the country now we together more than before <laughs> and uh, the people uh, help each other try to help each other and uh, we have connections and uh, societies in uh, many cities in Europe and uh, now in Canada too many people they talk together and to, to talk to each other and try to help and uh, we I, I, we can't surrender because I think because too many already destroyed maybe in the beginning if Russian try to discuss it with Ukrainian maybe maybe the, maybe uh, when it was in the beginning before all the destroyed before all people go, go away from Ukraine and the uh, attacks and suffering maybe we can't war but now but now I think uh, 
so many uh, victims and so many destroyed cities. So it's not finished now, I think. Yeah. Um- you know, thank you so much. What a powerful story. Thank you for sharing your time and your story with us, Alexandra. We appreciate it. Thank you for inviting too. Thank you. That's Alexandra Alex Rebenek, yeah. who moved here from Ukraine and now living in Calgary with his family. It's such a powerful story. I, I can't imagine what it, what it must be like. In 2022, we shouldn't be experiencing yeah. this as human beings on this planet. But, you know, Alex having to take his wife and his kids and flee... And thankfully, finding a beautiful place like Canada, like Calgary, but, uh, you know, all the people who are left behind. And as he said, they live very close to the Russian border and, and not nobody really believed that Russia was going to do what they did. Yeah, there it is. And that's maybe the greatest part of this whole operation. You know, they're lining up 150,000 troops to not take that as seriously as maybe we should have. But at the same time, just hands are tied. It's you a know, war. It's, we don't have war yeah. in, like in countries like this. And I can understand the rest of the globe saying we don't want World War Three on our hands. And to also hear how disconnected he is. Like this is an actual we, a Calgarian mm-hmm. who has friends and family there who still to this day has a hard time getting hold of many of them. Well, they forced them to take the SIM cards out of their phones yeah. if, you, if you weren't able to, to get that from him. So they forced them to use Russian SIM cards now so that, of course, the Russian government can track all their cell phones and everything that's being said and done. The bank machines have been replaced with bank machines that only give out rubles. Yep. Pensions, they've lost their Ukrainian pension. Now they're forced to take a rush. Like the whole thing, it's, it literally is just taking their identity away from them as well as their lives in so many cases. Uh, well, uh, fortunately, uh, Alexandra is, is here. So that's good. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Him and his family, as you mentioned, you got to count that as a as a, a bonus and for a sure. positive, and we can welcome many more in our city for sure. Could there be a link between infertility and heart failure? That's the claim of a new study released on the topic. Uh, to discuss the research, we're joined by Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. Good morning to you, Dr. J. Good morning. Tell us about this study because, you know, I, I think that a lot of people will be interested to hear about it, particularly if you're in either one of these worlds, if you've had issues with heart failure or if, if you're looking to start a family. Yeah, so this is a very, very interesting study. It's a bit obscure in the sense that it involves a small number of people. But what this found, a study found that if you look at a very particular kind of heart failure, uh, in women, uh, you find a very high percentage of that. Uh, the women who have that type of heart failure have had a history of infertility. So looking the other way, if you have a history of uh, infertility, and this is as a female specifically, you have a, a 16% chance of having future heart failure of this particular kind or a 27% increased risk. So it seems significant, but it's a very small grouping of people who this would affect. Do you have any insight from the study, Dr. J, as to how these two things are actually linked then, the why? Yeah, and this was definitely in this study, that was the biggest discussion was what does this actually mean? So I guess, again, without getting too far into the weeds, if you look at uh, a lot of women who have infertility, they have a metabolic issues. So they might have borderline cholesterols or be borderline diabetic, have a significant significant amount of obesity potentially, have hormonal issues, like their system isn't quite right and that's why they're infertile. Well, all those same things are a potential cause of cardiovascular disease. So that's what they think is the, the connection in between. The same woman who could be infertile has the same sort of risk factor or risk profile as women who would have cardiovascular disease or this particular type of heart failure. 
what does this mean? For example, if I'm looking at starting a family, uh, is this something that women, we often say, you know, if you want to start an exercise program, you should consult your physician first. If you're planning on having children, should you go to your doctor and say, okay, you know, get all my ducks in a row here. Can I have a, a checkup? How does that work? Well, you certainly, uh, couples can both do that. I think both on the men's side and the women's side um, uh, can certainly do that. I mean, in the distant past, we there was uh, you had to have blood work to get married. <laughs> like, there's this whole notion that you had to be healthy to do that. Now, we've dropped all that. But certainly, if, uh, if a woman is planning to get pregnant, uh, being in the best shape possible is always the best, like being healthy, eating well, exercising, and perhaps having a, a good look at... Um, I guess blood work, if that's appropriate, it's not always appropriate, but a good look just to be sure everyone's healthy, everyone's in good shape, and everything's uh, exactly where you want it to be starting forward, even before you get pregnant. Interesting connection. Infertility and heart failure is something for people to be aware of, for sure. Thank you so much for breaking it down for us, Dr. J. Appreciate it. You betcha. That is Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. You can go to at Peak Medical GRP to me find out more about Dr. J. Mental Health Awareness Month, and I, I'm seeing right now on mentalhealthweek.ca, one of the uh, big slogans is, this is empathy. Before you weigh in, tune in. So very important to have that knowledge. And I believe we have a, a guest on the line. Is that right, Sue? We All do. Right. According to the Canadian Mental Health Association, one in five people in Canada will personally experience a mental health problem or illness. Joining us to discuss mental health issues in particular, the mental health issues facing caregivers. We're trying to connect with Michael Landsberg. And you know the name, right? You certainly know the face. Yep. Michael Landsberg, TSN host and a mental health advocate. We had him on the line. We're trying to get him back on, having some technical glitches, if you will. But we're going to ask him for his story because he has uh, been anything but shy about sharing it. And I think that there's a couple of approaches. Not that I, I have dealt with this in my own life, Sue, but I think you can either... You know, I don't want to say suffer silently because that doesn't mean uh, that you're not getting, you know, some some resources and some help. But you, know, you can use it to educate as well. And 100%. I think that's yeah, what Michael Landsberg has done. Good morning to you, sir. Thank you for taking the time with us. We appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure. And uh, I may have been a few minutes late dialing the wrong number uh, repeatedly does not change how wrong the number is. You know, I, I think that's the thing. And, uh, I'm Fair sorry. I, I love it when you say, I'm sorry you have the wrong number. And they say, are you sure? And you're yeah. like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, let's, uh, it's time to get serious, but it's, it's, it's fun to, to catch up with you, Michael. And we're going to focus again more so on caregivers and this whole issue surrounding that. But, but let's, for those people who don't know, can you share a bit of your story for us? Yeah, um, you guys can put the phone down and maybe go get a coffee or something because <laughs> um, I, I guess I'm going to have to uh, abridge it because, I mean, it's kind of like the story of my life. But uh, if, if you want the abridged edition, I would say this. Uh, all my life I have battled anxiety. When I was a kid, uh, I didn't know what it was that I was experiencing because I never heard anybody talk about it. I had no idea that there was such a thing as general anxiety disorder. I had no idea. And as a result, I never spoke about it. I never asked for help. I came up, uh, brought up in a loving home where I could have gone to my parents, but never did. It affected my childhood for sure. But it wasn't until, uh, I guess, the second year of Off the Record, which would have been uh, about 20 years ago, that I first experienced depression. And I can tell you guys that I was so shocked 
it was like, I had no idea this is what it was. I had been like everybody else. I kind of believed the stigma that, well, you know what? It was kind of a, a weakness that people who needed to take time off work for their depression or their anxiety were weak. And when I was hit by it, it was this awakening, like, oh, my God, I had no idea. Uh, and then about 10 years after that, uh, about midway through off the record, I had never spoken about it on television because I thought no one would care. I thought it would be like, oh, it's, you know, he knows a lot of us don't like him, so he just wants our sympathy. Uh, and I spoke about it with, uh, with a hockey player briefly, and that changed the course of my life. When I saw the impact, when I heard the impact, but simply saying the words, you know, I battle depression and anxiety, I'm not ashamed and embarrassed. When I heard that, uh, it was like, oh, my God, I got to do more of this. And I think, too, you know, when people, everyday people hear, oh, he's a TV star, right? That anybody can suffer from issues like this. I think it gives us all the okay to be okay with the fact that we may have issues of our own and to seek help and to talk about it. And I I really respect the fact that you continue to share your message. And this time around, we're talking about caregiving as well and, and how being a caregiver can actually impact your mental health incredibly so. Yeah, being a caregiver with with mental health is incredibly difficult, right? Because if you haven't been through it, then it's impossible to understand. You can't understand what depression feels like if you haven't been through it. And you have nothing to compare it to. So if you care about someone who is battling severe depression... if, if you want to do what's best for them, you really got to acknowledge the fact that, hey, I don't understand what's this like, uh, what this is like. I can't understand it, and I hope I never do understand it. So you're going to have to really help me help you. Uh, and that is exhausting. And one of the things about being a caregiver for someone who has a mental illness is at times it's, it's really not very... Um, It's not very glamorous, uh, and I have often told people, don't give up on a person you care about with a mental illness when they act like a person with a mental illness. So it's a hard thing, and it's it's to to care for somebody um, who's got depression or anxiety or bipolar or OCD or any of those because we can't understand it. It's not logical to us, and it's so easy to get frustrated. Michael, wish we had more time with you, but I think maybe one of the more powerful things you can leave with us with as well is to give us an idea of where we can get more information and resources, because for so many people, it might be a brand new world. Yeah, it's so true. And it, it, it you know, it, it's just incredibly powerful to hear that somebody understands you. The feeling of being understood changes the amount of loneliness that you feel. Um, uh, Teva Canada uh, has uh, decided that as they embark on different initiatives to try to make a difference, they have decided that they will uh, try to make a difference in this area, in particular to caregivers. So if you go to the uh, Teva Canada web- website, you'll, uh, you'll see details about the talk that, uh, that, we're, uh, that we're doing coming up. Um, on, uh, do you have the date in front of you? May 10th. There we go. May the 10th. You know, it's this is like the busy season for mental health talk. So yeah. it's like, oh, oh, okay, what day is this? What am I talking about? <laughs> May the 10th. Uh, I think it's really important. People should uh, check it out. And I don't say it's really important because I'm doing it. I'm saying it's really important because it's a topic that does not get discussed enough. And I know you're going, wrap it up, Michael. So <laughs> I will just say this, that uh, you're understood if you're battling a mental health challenge. Uh, And I can say that because I understand you. It really is important that we continue to share that message. Thank you so much for your time this morning, Michael. Appreciate it. Hey, 
My pleasure. Thank Bye-bye. you. Michael Landsberg, former TSN host and mental health advocate. The website he's talking about is Teva, T-E-V-A, TevaCanada.com. And of course, here in Alberta, you can go to alberta.cmha.ca. This is Motivational Monday, a chance to get you motivated today and beyond. And we all know the business of life can be very difficult. Challenges are everywhere, but there's a way to show up even when life isn't easy. Joining us this morning is business coach, speaker, and best-selling author, Chris Westfall. Good morning to you, Chris. Thanks for being with us. Good morning, and thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Pleasure to have you. Help us out, get a little motivated today. Tell us about your new book called Easier, 60 Ways to Make Your Work Life Work for You. I think we could all use a little easier, couldn't we? I, I think this is the book that that everyone is looking for right now. At least I certainly hope so. It, it's the book that I wrote, but it's also the book that I need to read. Because I'll tell you what, I want life to be easier. And even though life isn't easy, right? That's a bridge too far. It's, it's too far to say life is easy. That's, that's not right. But even when times are difficult, easier always exists. And you can show up in a way, no matter what your circumstances are, no matter what your obligations are, no matter what your relationships are, there's a way to show up that makes everything easier. And the challenge that we have is to, is to find that. But when, when things get tough, we often lose sight of it. I know I certainly do, but this is a book that's designed to help people to find easier in even the most difficult circumstances. Chris, you know, this is a, quite the undertaking in the sense that easier is very subjective. Some people might say, who, the, who is this Chris Westfall character? How does he, you know, think he has the right to tell me how to make things easier? So tell us about what led you to think this is the book I have to pen. Well, one of the things that changed for me as I was writing this book was that I did not want it to become some sort of uh, scolding exercise or telling people what it is that they're not doing. I, I shifted this book into a narrative. So easier is actually a story. So if you discover things about what makes life easier, it's done through observation, not from some guru who's trying to tell you how to live your life. It's simply an opportunity to observe what possibilities can exist. And inside this story, some very difficult circumstances take place. And in spite of those difficulties, in spite of what's hard, there's an opportunity to to see life in a new way. And and that was why I chose to write it as a narrative, as a story, versus like a 200-page blog post. <laughs> and, and, you know, you say, Chris, in here, that the book is for leaders, coaches, entrepreneurs, athletes. What about just sort of everyday people who are maybe looking for a little bit of help and making just everyday life easier? Does it apply to them as well? Absolutely, because the book is about universal themes. And the universal theme is this. Hard is a habit, but it doesn't have to be. And no matter what it is that people are facing, this is a book to help the regular people. This is a book to help the special people. This is a book to help people, period. Because what the book looks at is our humanity. It's the thing that we all share. And from a deeper understanding of how we work as human beings, we understand how to, how to make life work and hopefully work in a way that's easier. What do you say to people who, you know, are looking to make some changes? Can you affect change just by reading a book? We do Motivational Monday every Monday, and I, and I think that, you know, we've got some great advice, but can reading a book change somebody's life? That's a really great question, and I don't, I don't mean to answer a question with a question, but, but what shows up for me is 
in this moment right now for us having this conversation, how many possibilities exist? And I, I think the answer is infinite. I mean, I, I could say anything. I could say avocados. I could say Justin Bieber. I could say <laughs> anything. We, it can go anywhere. And if, if the possibilities are limitless for, for us as we're having this conversation, what that means is, is that possibilities always exist. And when things look tough, it looks like there's only one way to win. It looks like there's only one way through a particular situation. And when things get easier is when we see that possibilities always exist. Easier always exists. We just don't see it. We, we lose sight of it. We think that it's, it's lost. But the, the thing that life asks us is to zoom out just a little bit, to find some flexibility, to find some of those options, to find some of those possibilities that always exist. Because from a fresh perspective, a fresh start begins. Can you give us maybe a tip or two for showing up, as you suggested, and maybe making life a little easier? The first thing I'd say is to recognize that you don't have to go it alone. Just as we're having this conversation here and sharing these words and ideas with the people who are listening, you don't have to go it alone. And a lot of times it looks like if if it's got to be, it's up to me, right? And we feel like we have to lift the world by ourselves. That's not true. There are people around right now who want to help, who want to be of service, and that makes things easier. The other thing that can make things easier is when you can be of service to others, when you are able to see an identity, this is going to sound strange, but an identity when you aren't on your mind. It's an identity that looks in the direction of service and how you can make a contribution to others. Maybe those are the relationships that are, that are close to you right now. Maybe it's the people that you work with. Maybe it's a contribution to, to an organization that you care about. But those two things, realizing that, that you are not alone and recognizing the power inside of service are two things that can make life easier. Chris, uh, we're speaking with Chris Westfall, a business coach, speaker, a best-selling author. Chris, your job is to motivate people, uh, you know, get them on the right path. Uh, and again, again, you're a coach. What, what is it that motivates you as far as if, if you're having a tough go, who do you turn to? Or what bits of advice do you give yourself? That's a great question. I'll tell you who I turn to, and this is going to sound strange, but I turn to my clients and the people that I coach. Recently, I was working with a bunch of students at a large university, and I had one-on-one coaching sessions, and every half hour, someone new would come into the conversation. And what that forced me to do, it forced me to take my attention off of myself. We talk a lot about self-care and self-awareness, and those are important things, but they're the cousins of self-consciousness. And so what I have found is that when I put my attention off of myself, I, I see the, the, the tiny miracles inside of the people all around me, and I'm able to see that there's a, a perfection in, in nature. And for me, that's, that's what I do. I, I get back to nature. And, and when I see that there's a perfection in nature, it makes me wonder, could there be some, some kindness in the design of my human nature, the design that's perfect and that I see in a flock of birds or the way that the, the waves hit the shore or the, or the way that the trees are growing? I mean, nature is filled with a natural beauty. That's how we define it. But we, we rarely see that same beauty inside of ourselves. And so what I've found is that when I can discover a little bit of compassion for myself, and, and for me, I, d- I discover it 
by by putting my attention on other people and and trying to to not focus so much on what it is that that I'm trying to achieve, but by helping helping my clients and helping the people that I care about to see things in a new way. That's what really inspires me. Love it. The book is called Easier, 60 Ways to Make Your Work Life Work for You. The author, Chris Westfall, business coach, speaker, best-selling author. Thank you so much for joining us, Chris. Appreciate your time on this Motivational Monday. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. Thanks, Chris. Uh, if you'd like to go online and find out more, the website is easier-book.com. Easier-book.com. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.